This is Tilly Green, and you're listening to the Turned Up Podcast. All new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C-A-N-O-T-A-M-B-O-S.com and enter promo code Turned Up. One word, Turned Up, for 20% off. Cano Tambos. And I'll just start this. Are you there? Hey, hey. I'm over here. I'm down here on the blue track. Cleaning the counter. Cleaning the counter. Cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the counter. So it's just the the production pipeline is truly huge. (laughs) Oh, this is something people might not know. Hey, you, I see you sitting there munching on your cheeseburger at lunch, driving home from a hard day's work. Listen, we have an amazing episode for you this fine day, and we're so excited. So just a heads up, Robert and I traveled to LA for the iHeart Podcast Awards. We were nominated for Best Music Podcast among some true giants. First and foremost, congratulations to Bobby Bones of BobbyCast for taking home the win. I can't help but just imagine that it was It was just a neck-and-neck race between Bobby Bones and Turned Up Podcast. And maybe I'm the only one that thinks that, but it makes me happy. Anyway, uh, this episode is with the lovely Mary Ev Harrington. And uh, real quick, we recorded this one in a hotel lobby, so it's going to sound echoey. We used a field recorder. It was wonderful having her, but please forgive the audio. It's not our typical quality, but that said, this interview is one of my favorites we've ever done, and uh, and I know that you're going to love it, and you're going to learn a lot, and your mind will be blown. So listen through to the end and uh, and prepare for something truly great. We love you and enjoy the show. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones and Robert Venable. As promised, we are here in the the epicenter of all things amazing, Hollywood, Los Angeles, USA. California. That is true. That's perfect Los Angeles accent. That's how they say it here, right? You know it. Who's Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Jake, your voice just changed completely. Actually, that is uh, Mary F. Harrington. And you might not know that name yet, unless you listen to a lot of music in the Canadian jazz scene. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. However, if you've seen, uh, well, a handful of shows, including... Oh my goodness. Uh, Doc McStuffins, Space Pirate, Captain Hook. What? Really? Okay. I believe you. You need to check your Wikipedia page. Okay. We did. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the blog. Uh, yes. That's Holly Pocket. Oh, my favorite is. I can confirm. I can confirm. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these things go so far back that I'm like, I oh, don't know. Oh, we went know. back. Okay. All right. Um, and my favorite, and this is how we set up this interview, is uh-huh. the voice of Tilly in Big City Greens. Yes. And then when exactly. you were in first grade, you also did the voice. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> grade one. Um, but that's that's voiceover stuff. Yeah. Grade one. Yeah. Nice Canadian. Yeah. Going there. Yeah. Um, uh, how I Met Your Mother. Yes. Like a few, a handful of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you were. Uh, Betty in Ted's architecture class. Yes, you were very. Yes. You were that. You were that student. 
Yeah, she was very invested in her teacher's love life. <laughs> <laughs> um, good luck, Charlie, uh, on uh-huh. Disney, I believe. Yep, Disney Channel. Um, Modern Family, who hasn't heard of Modern Family? True. All confirmed. Um, and like we said earlier, uh, a jazz singer. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the name of your project? Is it your name? Or do you have a project? What, right now? Oh, I'm not singing as much publicly with my band at the moment just because, like, voiceover and acting stuff and writing has been really busy. Um, but uh, out here, it, uh, back in Canada, I had my band was, oh, I'm no, blanking, Mary and her Midnight Blues. But now it's, I think it's, I oddly auditioned to be in, like, an, an existing band. And then they just named it after me. They so put I was you like, out front. They were like, it's the Mary of Harrington band. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now that you're in, we changed the name to be you. You. Yeah. All right. Cool. I just think we were just, I don't think <laughs> if they, they, we just were not being creative with <laughs> what the names could have been. So that's just what we landed on. We're like, yeah, that's easy. Band name generating is always one of those things that could go horribly wrong or incredibly right. Yeah, um, it's true. So I guess naming it after the front man is kind of a cop out or front woman. Yeah, but. I agree. But it just kind of seemed boring. If you're the star of the We're show, boring. though, yeah, and I mean, it's a very well, Nashville thing to do. Oh, to just name the the band, just yeah. whoever the singer is. That's yeah. the name of the band. Well, I guess it's click for branding purposes. I guess I've never really put this much thought into it, but it just keeps it nice and clean and clear of like, oh, who who is in that band? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we were wondering what her name was. Yeah. So if you haven't picked up on what we're talking about this time, it is voiceover acting, something very common, um, especially in L.A. But if you've seen TV, you've seen voiceover acting um, or heard it, I should say. So, Mariev. Yes. Will you paint a picture for us of a day in the life, specifically uh, when, when you go into a session mm-hmm. to work? What like what does that look like? Um like, do you walk in, it's a recording studio, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. some sort of a soundstage. Yep. And what do you see? There's a mic, is there five people or a hundred people? Are there people with clipboards? Well, so when you talk about voiceover, um, are you try, you're talking specifically an animation session. Let's, let's, is that right? Let's do we'll that. We'll establish animation session. Okay. Let's do that. It's an animation session. So, um, yeah, you're, these days, it's probably only you in the studio, in the, in, in the booth itself. It used to be that group records were more common, but now people are busier than ever, right? So it's just, it's harder to schedule. So some shows still do group recordings, but most shows nowadays you're on your own. So when you show up there, there'll be, um, some man or assistant will greet you at the studio and, um, and then you'll have either, See, this is something that's changing too. You used to have um, voice directors all the time in addition to um, your producers there. Now, oftentimes the voice directors are non-existent because on Big City Greens, in fact, the two creators of the show, they, yeah, so they know exactly what they want. There's no like, we need to cover our bases and well, just in case of blah, blah, blah. No. Is that easier for you or harder for you? Because they know exactly what, like they're taking away a little bit of your creative freedom um, there, or you would think. However, those and I, I, I bet that sometimes, um, depending on who the creator is, that it could feel that way. But um, with Shane and and Chris Houghton, who are the the creators, and also Chris plays cricket on the show. Oh, well, awesome! They, um, it's the complete opposite. I feel like they give you. At least I feel like for me, it's given me so much rain to just like be weird, go for it, like surprise <laughs> us. And then it's 
like if they had a really specific thing in mind, they'll they'll say, okay, do it like this, and then absolutely, you know, they have a vision for it. And the thing is, they're so funny. I feel like I learn so much from them every time that I'm in the studio that it's not like, oh, you're directing me into something I don't want to do. It's like, oh, no, you're just helping me be funnier. Like, please, go for it. But I feel like I have free reign where they're like, yeah, what do you want to do with this? That's cool. You know, it's very cool. But anyway, to get back to your question. So you said, um, what can you expect? So, so yeah, you have your engineer there, of course. You have your voice director um, or not. Your creators who will step into the voice director's um, place if, uh, yeah, if they've chosen not to have one. And then um, probably a, a producer and somebody taking notes on which takes were, were taken. And that's it. So are they like in a, in a uh, control room? Yeah. And then like some glass? Yeah. How big is the booth that you're in? Is it, it totally depends. Like some studios are really tiny, so it, it doesn't fit sort of that much more than just me, a music stand, and like a small table. Um, where we're currently recording Big City Greens, it's a big room that could fit like eight people in it. And keep in mind, I'm talking about like, okay, on a day-to-day basis now, I remember the first Tilly session, there were like 10 people on the other side of the glass. Is that so because like they're head feeling you out here? Well, yeah, not so much feel. Yes, I suppose to some to some degree. But it's, you know, anytime something is new everybody's figuring it out all the executive producers are there the heads not just um the casting director like head of casting is there like it's just there's a lot of people making sure that okay as we started out and then once we got rocking and rolling with it's like nobody shows up to our recording sessions anymore because they're like (laughs) "Eh, we know what we're doing she knows what she's doing let's just let's do it because it's it's the the tone of the show has been set the workflow has been set so it's easy peasy Okay, yes. so that just inspired a whole bunch of more questions. But I want to clarify for people like Jake and I who have no idea, what's the difference between, um, you said, the voice coach? Uh, uh, the, 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 um, the voice director. Voice director uh-huh. and then the producer. Like, what, what kind of, sure. is it different instructions they're giving you or what? Yeah, okay, so um, they, they're in charge of different things. So typically, like, a voice director will be there too because obviously yeah there's there's panes of glass separating you know me in a studio or all of the actors if it's a group record and then um all the producers writers whoever's on the other side of the glass um so oftentimes the voice director will be there um as almost an interpreter because not all producers are going to know how to speak to an actor where they're going to say like i feel like that take is um, it's a little orange. It's just, right, well, they're just <laughs> it's kind of, like. It's too warm for us. Well, they're more likely to say, the voice director is actually more likely to say that. They'll sometimes not sugarcoat, but translate and, and make sure that um, the channels of communication or things are flowing openly um, and that things aren't getting lost in translation because you have some people who are more business or this is like the end result that I want, but don't necessarily understand how to get that result out of the actor. So. Um, that's where voice directors, um, I love, I, I love having a voice director, but, um, in this particular case with, um, Shane and Chris knowing what they want and I just feel like they're very attuned to actors. So it's not weird. Do you often get to work with the creators, um, when you're doing voiceover work or is this kind of a special treat to actually have them? To have the creators there? No, usually the creators are there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess sometimes if you're if it's like um, a guest role, um, you might not. But I'm trying to think like 
Sophia the First, yes, creator was there. Um, what else? Like Doc McStuffins in the earlier seasons, then she started having other responsibilities, was there. So, Those two yeah. shows particularly are my children's favorite Oh, that okay. yeah. <laughs> Sophia the First is yeah. on so yesterday. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you go in there. Um, it's day one. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's before day one in the studio. Um, I'm guessing you have some sort of script. Yes, we were sent the script in advance. So do they call they call you up and say, okay, Mary Eve, um, one time we were at dinner and you did the Southern voice, which I thought was kind of sweet. Could you make it sound younger? Like, how do they... Okay, okay, so let... How do they make... Yes. How do they translate that to you? Or is that your choice? Okay, so the lead up... So I'm I'm giving you kind of like what happened on day one of Big City Greens, just because sure, that's what you sure. brought, right? So, um, like... For, we'll rewind some more, right? So yeah, so, so we... Yeah, we need to, we need to rewind actually, backwards. like... A year and a half. No way. To when I first auditioned for it. Because I'm talking about, that was the first recording session of Big City Greens of like the series. Okay. Was in October of 2016. Okay. Okay, So I booked that pilot in April of 2015. Wow. So that was the amount of time. So um, that, that was the amount of time that it took them to make the pilot little 11 minute episode um animate that test it test it test it make adjustments and then for disney channel to say yes we are making this show and then i found out in june of 2016 so over a year after doing the pilot that hey you have a series that's that's going to be starting in a couple months that's cool so um but the original the initial audition i did from home like I did, I literally just got an email from my agent with, this is an audition for you to do. I have a little Harry Potter closet, it's Harry Potter style closet under the stairs that Perfect. is my, it's, it's actually not a closet. People <laughs> think, oh, it was just there in our loft. We built it. It's, um, it is actually a, a little studio, a little booth. Um, I print off the, the audition sides. I prepare them. I make some decisions about what I want to do. Record, edit. Send it, had a callback, and then that's it. So what did you see that made you create that voice? What I mean, Were there words on a paper? Yeah. What's really helpful um, is pictures. Is like Because you can learn so much about a character based on what they look like. Do they have big buck teeth? That's going to affect how they sound. Yeah. Um, there was a certain innocence about Tilly. They said she was very simple. I, in fact, don't think on the sides they said that she had a, a Southern twang. Oh, so you heard simple and thought. No, so no, not at all. But there were just other things like she, they said she loved to like be out in, in nature and would like marvel at a blade of grass or something like that. Like <laughs> I'm just thinking about some clips we were just watching. It's so funny. <laughs> so, so yeah, she, it wasn't sort of like. Simple in the. Um, I can. Comp- I'm very in simple. a in a dumb way. It was sort of like she just she delighted in simple pleasures, sure like enough. and she could appreciate the like little things around her. So there was just. I think I looked at that at the image of her, and all, honestly, the audition sides were some of the best audition sides I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because I got the job. Legitimately, <laughs> they were so funny like each individual line because you had like seven lines or something to show who this character was and there's a line where she's really excited and there's a line where she's really sad and there's because you want to show you know right the casting people want to know that you have range sure 
So, um, yeah, but this was a very different audition than usual for me. Because normally they'll say, oh, the character is Polly Pocket, perky. Uh, you know, she's like the leader. She's all these things. And they'll have descriptors. And I've always been really like, I like to do my homework. I'm pretty type A. I'm like, okay, all right, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> but, and with Tilly, she had some of these descriptors. Um, but I kind of threw the rule book out. Because I've always, you know, in animation they say, you want to hit, if your character lives in a box, you want to hit every single corner of that box, right? You want to show the extremes of character. And I just felt like with Tilly, her being really excited and her being not that excited and her being like sad and happy kind of sounded very similar. Like she's, Tilly lives in a very, you know, she can be very excited about something. And then she can be very, you know, really sad about something. And like, it kind of sounds like it feels the same. <laughs> so I threw I threw the rule book out a little bit with that um, with that audition where I was like, no, I'm not going to do what I usually do and what I feel like is the quote unquote right way to do it. Um, yeah, so I think it was the, it was the the picture uh, that really did a lot. The awesome. the the concept art. She had a little slump, big wide eyes. You know, I yeah. mean that's very the big circle eyes yeah um so do you feel just personally do you feel like your your voice affects the animators and the writers at this point that they will they'll kind of tailor her to you so there are times i've seen animations or cartoons um whatever you care to call them that i feel like i can tell who's doing that voice based off of the mannerisms of that character almost yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that as the show, um, gr- when you're really starting out, like, everybody's feeling each other out. And I I now will be able to say that, you know, on on my next uh, big series, or even if I'm just guessing on something that's newer, is it's like, I think as the actor, we think, oh, my God, they know what they're doing, and they know what they want, and I don't know, I hope that I can just, like, service whatever they want. It's like, nobody knows it, what it's going to be yet. We're kind of making this all together, so it's like take some of the process off the the just pressure, and it's like a, you're going to get through this process together. And um, so, yes, they do start to learn. Sort of, I have, as you can tell, a faster pace about my speech patterns. Tilly, another shift that happened. Tilly used to be like a much more peripheral character in the pilot. If you watch Space Chicken, Tilly walks into a scene, says a weird thing, and then leaves. And that's (laughs) it. So it was okay for Tilly to be very slow. You know, she like could say a little thing and then off she goes. (laughs) Well, then Tilly tested so well that they were like, oh, okay, we're going to make her a bigger part of this. The problem with that is, if you have an 11-minute episode, you cannot have one of your lead characters (laughs) talking that slowly. And also, they sort of, they learn a little bit of sort of my naturally, like, fast rhythm. So Tilly sped up a little bit from the early episodes like Space Chicken or Tilly's Goat to now, to the current episodes. She's so much faster in Uncaged, which was just premiered. Yeah. So certain things like that will shift. Um, I think the, so the... The creators, the producers, they know that I'm musical. So, like, Tilly in Mama Bird, you know, sings in that episode. There's some more Good singing episode. down the line. There's, there's um, 
Like ditties, like the fact I am constantly inventing little songs and like Tilly, as you've seen, is like starts to do more of that. So we all kind of feel out our strengths, you know, Um, and yeah. How how hard is it for you to maintain? Obviously, you're you're still currently as of recently, very, very recently um, recording new episodes of Big City Greens. Oh, yeah. Every week. So but. When something starts out and you develop a Tilly voice mm-hmm. or whatever the show may be and whatever the character may be, yes. how hard is it for you to get back into that or to find it? Or do you listen to voice memos or do you find yourself falling out of the voice? And like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I have to get back to get a little bit more lisp in that. Or- sure. Some characters, yeah, if you haven't sort of solidified it for yourself, then yes, it'll take a second of, okay, yeah, I have to, I have to listen. I have to get a reference. But Tilly is one that I can pop in and out of without, I mean, now I've been doing her for a while, but even at the time, I have to tell you, that was a weird sort of thing with that voice because it wasn't like I had developed this voice and I like couldn't wait to sell it, yeah. you know? It wasn't like, oh, I've had this cool voice. I can't wait to see what auditions come through the pike that I can smack it on. No. It's going to pop out. I, this sound had never come out of my body until that <laughs> audition, and I was like, who is that? What possessed me? It, it, it literally felt like that. It, it did, and honestly, I'm someone who overthinks everything, and normally I'll do a bazillion takes on my auditions, but I think I did, like, one or two takes of Tilly, and I was like, nope, that's it. So you said a second ago that it wasn't like I had a voice that I prepared right in the cell. Do you have a voice mm-hmm. right now that you have prepared? Like, I have this really cool voice. I haven't used it on anything. I just want people to hear it. Oh, yeah, I'm trying pretty hard at the moment to, um, I, I really, these days, want to be a grandma. That's, like, as you know. With Instagrammy, well, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. I my muse for the last few few years has been my ninety seven year old great aunt. Okay, so this is based off of a yeah, and she has a very particular speech pattern, very strange voice, and so like she totally inspires me and is very. She's just an interesting person who lives a really interesting life, and I want to get cast with her voice. I just want to know if she. If she is in as as into doobies as Instagrammy is, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've asked her or that. In well, In and Out. That the line from that episode, from the In and Out episode. Uh, my doctor says I need to need to eat a lot of beef. Is verbatim what Aunt Isabel said to me last February when <laughs> I went to visit her. This is the conversation. This by is the, ripped from the headlines. By the way, we are talking about yes. uh, Marius. Uh, <laughs> Web series um, yes. called Instagrammy. Yes. Um, that's two M's and I and an E at the very end there. Correct. Um, How would you describe it? Which is hilarious. So Instagrammy is, yeah, has been just, is me exploring this fascination that I have with uh, being an old lady right now. Um, <laughs> I, it probably has no commercial value and it's the first time in my life that I don't care. I'm just making something because I want to explore it and I'm curious about it and we'll see what happens. Everything that Jake and I have done that's been just to see what happens has somehow taken a mind of its own and yeah, done well. Yeah, and I think that's because somehow, like, on some, not to be all woo-woo in L.A. here, but, like, people can sense when there's just passion, right? And it's Agreed. like, I, I have no idea what will come of Instagram, if anything at all. But I'm doing it right now because it's fun and that's it. So what, what Instagrammy is, is it's um, an Instagram show um, that comes out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. 
It's a story of two roommates, plot twist. One of the roommates is the other roommate's grandmother. Plot twist, I play both roles. So one minute, one actress. (laughs) Um, And they're just these little snapshots of kind of this, like, super kick-ass Grammy um, and her sort of put-upon granddaughter. Please, please, please do the voice. Oh, well, I didn't know I was going to have to show up at this interview. I'm, you know... I'm very expensive. Did you tell them what my rate was? <laughs> no, Grammy, it's not that kind of thing. Oh, well, then I'm leaving. I'll be, I'll, I'll be at the lobby. Is there a bar? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, in terms of, like, preparing, like, a voice that, like, I want to, quote-unquote, sell. Um, although, like, on Big City Greens, if you hear, like, incidental characters as, like, this the season goes on. And in fact, you heard it, I think for the first time in Uncaged, um, Shane and Chris have been very sweet to be like, all right, throw in this crowd. You can throw Instagram me in there. <laughs> so, so she's cool. like her I'm own, she's her own person. Yeah, yeah. In crowd scenes, you'll be like, oh, oh, yeah, that Instagram me <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, so are you ever allowed to, well, do they do the animation first and then your voice or do they... Do they draw the animation to what you say? So that's a that's a great question. And in fact, as I was listening um, to your podcast earlier, when you said kind of exposing secrets, that is probably, I think, it's not a secret, but I think it's a general misconception from like the average Joe walking down the street is that you do the voices to the... Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and I got a huge announcement for all of you songwriters out there. The Song Chasers commercial songwriting course is now available, and you can get it for a special deal at turneduppodcast.com slash Seth, just like my name, S-E-T-H. This is a comprehensive course in commercial songwriting for anyone who wants to be a part of writing a hit song. Again, go over to turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Everything you need to know about commercial songwriting, turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Drawing, and that's just not the way it's done in original animation. So um, they are animating, in fact, off of my performance entirely. Um, in, and what's interesting about that is, so Big City Greens, I think, is in like 26 countries around the world. Whoa. And so it's so animated you know a lot to of, what... a lot of languages. Yeah, I do. I <laughs> do. My Dutch, my sweet... <laughs> yes. No. My um, Afrikaans. That's great. Um, <laughs> so, in fact, those actors are then matching my performance, even though my performance is no longer there, but because it has been drawn and animated off of my performance. The exception to that is if you're doing um, anime, dubbing, something that's originated in another country. Which you've done a lot of. I, I, I used to do a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, less these days, but um, yeah. So that's, and that is a completely different skill set. They are so wildly different from one another because if, with original animation, something like a Big City Greens or Doc McStuffins or whatever, um, kind of the world is your oyster. It's like you and the, you just can be in the moment and go wild. With dubbing, you have to, you're, first of all, you, what they'll do, the directors, the, you play like the line that you're going to do. You watch it in the original Japanese, usually. Um, although you perhaps might be dubbing a show from elsewhere, but anime tends to be from Japan. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you watch like the line, you hear the line, you get three beeps and you got to go and you have to match the original performance, but then also 
and match the lip flaps, which is obviously <laughs> like acting with handcuffs on, but you have to be super free and totally um, own the character and bring what you want to bring and how you envision the character. So that's really challenging. Sounds a lot like wow. an ADR. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So having to go exactly. back in the studio. Oh we, and we've done episodes on that before. Yes. Going back and re-recording a line that you already said uh-huh. in a live action. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, it's much harder. And here's another secret that a lot of people might not know. It pays about a tenth of what original animation pays. Really? Yeah. Do people so kind of get in through that avenue? Is that like um, a segment? Anima- yeah, yeah, sometimes. Like I want to be a, a, a voice actor or actress, so I'll start with anime in hopes to... Yeah, I think I think that's probably safe to say. Um, the thing with voiceover careers, and quite frankly, any artistic career, whether you're talking about actors, writers, producers, there is no path, right? So one person's way in is going to be so different for the next. But, um, yes, I think a lot of people will will start um, with that. But they're really different skill sets. And some people don't um, break out of it because they happen to be really good mimics or fitting in the thing that into the mold of what the the performance they're, they're matching, right? They're overdubbing is, but they might not feel as comfortable taking the big creative swings when it's like, hey, go for it. You create something out, like out of... Nowhere. Not out of nowhere. But, um, yeah. And you're obviously killing the big swings. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, sure. No, I like... I love the ability to be just wildly creative. And sometimes it's really fun when you have great, really well-written scripts. People who give you a lot of room to bring your own interpretation to things. And then sometimes you'll end up surprising yourself in the booth of like, I had no idea that was going to come out that way. So do you improvise a, a, a oh, lot, a right, little? right, right. Um, um, it, d- it completely depends on the show and the scene. Like certain scenes, anytime you have a walla scene, so a crowd scene, because um, I don't just play Tilly on Big City Greens. In every episode, I probably play at least three characters. <laughs> um, there'll be like a crowd, you know, or in a department store or whatever, and there's like a woman who's, who's walking through the perfume section. So what's she saying? So that, in that case, you're really very much improvising and then sometimes you know Tilly will be um you know hanging out on the front porch of the house and just kind of singing to herself playing in the mud like whatever it is then yes but generally the lines are not um so this is in parentheses Tilly singing in the mud yeah you have to Uh go yeah 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 in fact I want to think I think uh what was it like the fur coffee Coffee Quest, um, the episode where like Tilly is filling in for Cricket at the cafe, and she's like, it was like she, they're like, oh yeah, can Tilly be singing while she's cleaning the counter? And like, <laughs> this was not a good example of my amazing improv, but I literally was like, cleaning the counter, cleaning the counter, cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the counter. You know, it's like so. <laughs> so sometimes like the improv will be. Like, wow, I'm really coming up with insightful dialogue. Or in that case, not at all. Uh, just giving yourself permission to be weird. And what's so funny is we were just talking before we were recording. For me, it's those little moments like that. The the scenes, the random lady looking at the perfume. Yeah. That takes any show from, oh, this is a good show that's a lot uh-huh. like other shows. Sure. To, this is hilarious. No, I mean, it's listen. those things that set it apart, you know? 
I completely agree. And not to be like a total fangirl of the current show I'm on, because I feel like eh, that might be okay slightly be annoying that. for the people. But listen, I think some people, <laughs> I love my job, so whatever. I'm not going to hide that. Um, I feel like they're not missing any opportunities on that show for a joke. So oftentimes it's like, because I know these scripts, right? I recorded them. But we'll watch them and it's like, oh my God, there's something. There's like a poster in the back of a scene or the way they designed a character that it's like, that's, that is absolutely the funniest version of that. (laughs) Or a music cue. Or they just are missing no opportunities to make a joke, to make you laugh. I completely agree. Okay. Total off the the path question. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't have to talk numbers. In fact, we won't talk numbers. Okay. But... How or how often do you get paid? Like for a voice actor. Um, so you go in, you record an episode. We're sticking with the Big City Greens um, theme Example, here. okay. Um, so you, you do that. Do you get paid residuals at all? Or is it a work for hire type situation? Or is it a union thing? How does right. this work? Yes, um, yes, that is that is union work. That is the reason that I don't do anime anymore. Because like 95% or more of anime is non-union. Oh. So once you're in the union, you cannot do that anymore. Right. Um, so, uh, it's funny that you asked the residual question because I was literally at the Screen Actors Guild last night learning about how, um, animation residuals work because I don't know. I kind of have always been like, oh, okay, that's cool. There's like a check that came in for Doc McStuffins or there's a check that came in for a dog with a blog. There's a check that came, um, and I'm just kind of like, great, I'm glad that it came in, but I didn't really know anything about how much time, um, it it uh, takes for that to come in. But they say like eight-ish months after it starts airing, you should start to see and something. It's based off of viewership or how many times it plays? Um, it, oh gosh, now I, I literally learned this last night. How <laughs> funny that I feel like I'm, I'm like, what's the quiz? What's the quiz? Um, <laughs> they sent us here. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. SAG is like, did you, did you listen last night? Um, because it's very different in terms of commercials and um no i think it is per run for animation okay um what does that mean per run so like every time the show airs in any country versus um so i no, i do not make foreign residuals which it's interesting when i first started getting involved in the union a few years ago there was somebody like when it was a caucus where we were figuring out like what are we going to fight for in our next contracts um, somebody was like, well, we should get a portion of foreign residuals. And at the time I thought, that's so silly. It's not even your voice in the cartoon. And then through the, through this process, and I'm, I'm not saying I should be owed any, anything in foreign residuals, but it is interesting because they are dubbing now over drawings that were drawn to my voice. So even in like the it's Netherlands or whatever, it's like, my even though it's not my voice like it is my interpretation and like my heart of my character that's still in there even though my voice isn't so um it just made me think about it differently again not that i think i'm owed anything for it but um but i was like oh yeah because a part of me does still reside in that um in Uh in that cartoon that's being heard in japanese even though it's not my voice right the interpretation, the creation of the character. So the creators might come up with, you know, what she physically looks like, right. what she, what they want her characteristics to be. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's yeah, it's your voice and your interpretation of 
that that gives it life. Yeah, and, and now, like her, even though my voice isn't there, like the her rhythms are still her there. Life is yeah. is still yeah. the life that you've given her through your voice. Yeah, yeah. it just made me think about things differently. It's true. Yeah, it's so funny. The music industry is not far off in that same sort of really sort of right. sense yeah. as far as what should we get paid on? What should we not? Well, it makes sense. We should get paid on on this. Like mm-hmm. this wouldn't exist if we hadn't done our part. Sure, especially as producers. Um, and songwriters. Songwriters, for sure, too. Um, it's so interesting. There's musicians, songwriters, producers, uh, and they're all three very different things. Mm-hmm. And now they're giving writing credit, um, a common practice, or I guess becoming more of a common practice, is if you're writing a song and say say you're my wife, mm-hmm. and you're sitting in the room over here when Jake and I are writing a song, you would probably get um, songwriting credit for being in the room for either inspiring really? a line. Um, really? Up to a whole third of the song. Yeah. Wow. So we write a song like, well, if you weren't sitting in here, wife, then maybe I would have written something different. Huh. Because you were here, I looked over at you and like, oh, I love your eyes. Write that. I love your eyes. That fits the song. Like, whatever Right, right, right. Um, so that's so interesting. I was like, oh, this is completely off topic, but reading about um, Jeff Bezos and Michaela Bezos' divorce and the questions where people are like, oh, my God, she's going to make so much money off of this. And it's like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. She was like on the front lines of creating it and like... You could argue that, like, had she not given up her big career on the East Coast right. to move out to, to Seattle to support his dream, and also she was she was working and like create the, paying out those first invoices yeah. and all that stuff. So um, it's that's been on my mind of like, oh yeah, who gets credit when, and who could have done this thing without that that person? Um, it's all muddy. And listen, even union contracts are not perfect. It's just we're all trying to make sense of and uh of like who's entitled to to what creatively but yeah artistic media in general has become devalued with the digital age Mm -hmm. and how easy it is to come by and i really do appreciate um just the industry as a whole the different arms and legs and fingers and toes of the industry trying to figure out how do we make this fair because it's all different now yeah it used to be very controlled you could control the media and you could control yes how much went out and how much came in and, and that allowed the, air, man. the, you know, the entertainment industry to also control the price, the market. Mm-hmm. And now you can't, the market is wide open. You, you'd have no sense of ratings, even on something like a Netflix or a Hulu now, you know, like the, in, that information is, is kept quiet, you know, instead of, oh, wow, the ratings were huge on this show so they can command huge advertising dollars. So the budgets of the shows can reflect it just, it is very much the the Wild West now, and everybody's just trying to, to do their best, especially, you know, unions are trying to adjust their contracts to make sense, to, to make sure that people are still getting paid, but also acknowledging the changes in the industry and not letting members get left behind or them feeling like they need to go to drop out of the union. So it's a it's a time of change, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. I hope it's good things. Not that many years ago, if you put a song up on YouTube mm-hmm. that didn't belong to you, mm-hmm. YouTube would either take your video down altogether or mute the video, mute the audio. Oh, okay. Right? All right. It's not your. It's not yours. Right. You can't, right. Can't do that. Um, now, what they do, which I love, is if so, Robert and I have a band. Mm-hmm. If you upload a video with one of our songs in it, then um, our PRO, uh, Performing Rights Organization, mm-hmm. will go on. And slap an advertisement. Oh, interesting. It doesn't take it down. It monetizes it and then shares Suddenly, it with you. Like, interesting. Please, free publicity for us. Yeah. But we'll take the money. Right. And so there's yeah. these these 
It's actually a great idea because it's not like you don't want your stuff out there and like wouldn't want the cash anyway. So. Well, a big thing is like gamers, right? So there's yeah. gamer videos. Uh-huh. And we do rock. And, and rock is just, there's just not a home in the greater media really. sphere <laughs> for rock right now. Okay. Um, video game trailers, maybe. or, or Monster truck rallies. Monster truck rallies. Okay. Um, but no. video, like gamers have uh-huh. these gaming channels. They get millions, hundreds of millions of views right. yeah. on every video. Sure. And they'll slap your song on the background of their video. And then your PRO will monetize their video. And so now super cool. hundreds of millions of people are hearing your song, which is a bonus. Yes. And you're getting paid on all yes. of those streams. I was wondering if that there was anything. That is positive change. There was That's anything really like that happening change. with. With, uh, with acting stuff? I'm trying to think. Well, I specifically mean, like Tilly. So we looked on YouTube. There's a, you know, compilation. Someone did the best of Tilly. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, no. It's good two it's minutes. Hilarious. Oh, they're good parts. Oh, really? That's okay. one of my favorites. I, have, I, I made him not, shut I up so I could. I'm that. like, Jake, shut up. You're talking about the best part. And made, made him listen again. No, I guess they, they leave that because it's just sort of like fans enjoying it. I Sense. Yeah. Disney definitely um, keeps a <laughs> watchful eye yeah. on their on their stuff. But I feel like they also want kids to be putting together what they love and sure. spreading that to their their friends. I guess it is free publicity for them sense. at the end of the day. And like this podcast, we were wondering, can we even say Tilly? Can we say Big City Greens? Oh, sure yeah. Oh, oh, of like, course. Yeah. Can we play an audio clip of it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could put That's us in touch with the right people. That's a question. I don't know. <laughs> we don't want to get sued. I'm like, yeah, I don't know the... We'll just have legal. you read an entire script in a moment. There you go. Have it in my backpack. And you can do all the sound design. <laughs> then, yeah. I know you guys can. Oh, and oh, so man. then we'll... That's right. We'll, uh, then we don't have to worry about it. Okay, so Actually, we've talked about Tilly a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> no people, so like, that might be the, the answer to this next <laughs> question, but what's your favorite role to date? Even if it's the smallest one that no one's ever heard of. Do you have one that, like, man, that was just a fun one, or that was my favorite voice, or, or even if it's not a voice, but um, going off topic, something you acted in, what, what's your favorite role? Probably on camera. I loved um, playing Winnie on Good Luck Charlie because I love to cook and the fact that I got to play and I love multi-camera comedies because um, multi-cam comedies uh, like Good Luck Charlie uh, are they're like mom or two and a half men like they're shot in front of a live studio audience versus something like Modern Family that is um, a single camera show which is a bit of a misnomer because there are in fact multiple cameras shooting you at the same time but you're um, you're not doing it sort of like a play in front sure. of an audience right. So um, I loved I loved Winnie because she was just sort of sweet and um, full of hope and in cooking school, which I'd like to do at some point, maybe awesome. in my retirement. So um, <laughs> and it was like yeah, doing a play, but there were cameras, so like that was a really oh, that's awesome. Um, and talk about just an amazing creative team on that show too. Yeah, yeah, where they yeah. really yeah really opened sort of your collaborative. Um, that what what's interesting about multi-camera comedy is um, it's not like you know when I showed up on Modern Family it's like you know your lines you they block you you rehearse it once you shoot it boom you're done on multi-cam comedy you actually um, you do your table read on Monday you block and rehearse it Tuesday you block and rehearse it Wednesday like you're you're rehearsing it so you're finding stuff together you know you're building yeah. it together and then you'll pre-shoot Thursday and then you have your live audience show on Friday. So it's a different workflow. 
artistically, that seems like it would be far more satisfying as well. It fits your personality. I like it. I like it because I kind of feel like what I'm going to come up with sort of at home by myself is never going to be as interesting as like, oh, you'll you'll spark something and I'll go, that's a great idea. But we kind of, it snowballs off of each other. Um, but I guess some some actors prefer to like, no, I want to do my work on my own and kind of have my performance crystallized as to what I want to put out there first. So real quick before we let you go, thank mm-hmm. you so much for being so gracious to, thank to you for having talk to me. us and, and uh, answer all these questions. And uh, Robert, Robert has done a little more in, in film work than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a long time on the road and touring mm-hmm. while he was getting better at me doing music <laughs> stuff. Um, but... Uh, Real quick, so Instagrammy. Yes. We we spent some time watching some of these, and they're so funny. And I, what I love about it is, like, th- there's something about that limitation of one minute to fit a story, a, a narrative into one minute that actually makes it funnier. And on a platform that's so new, like the Instagram shows, is that even what it's technically called, Instagram yeah, I mean, we we're call, we're calling it an an Instagram show, an Instagram series. But yeah, it's totally it's a brand new venture. I don't know how many people are doing it at this Not point. A lot. But the way it came about was um, so I previously created um, and produced nine episodes of another web series called Pleasant Events. Um, this was a couple of years back. Uh, and we did a, we really left sort of no stone unturned. We had a big crew. We spent a lot of money on it. Um, my partner on that show, uh, Beth Curry, who plays this basically completely delusional wedding planner from uh, the 80s and 90s. Uh, it's a very wacky show. Um, so we spent all this money, made all these episodes we were really proud of, put them up on YouTube. You know, they're like three to five minute episodes. And nobody saw them. Like, it just didn't get seen. Now... There, there were a lot of other great things that happened because of that. We ended up pitching it to um, a couple studios, and like we sold it for development for a reality show. So listen, there were some great things that came of it, but but for the most part, like nobody saw these episodes. So when I am, oh yeah, they're all up on YouTube. Um, if you go to YouTube, and then I think it's like slash Pleasant Events or uh, watch Pleasant Events. I should really know this. Um, anyway, you'll find it. Um, or just go to my website, uh, maryevherrington.com, and you'll see it on the writing page. Mary so, F. Harrington? Mary Ev Harrington. Mary Ev, her name? Yeah. Well, yeah, Mary Ev. Yeah, let's, I'll try it one more time. <laughs> it's okay. So You're tired. So tired, I know. Maryevherrington.com. Yeah. So, um, so Pleasant Events, amazing experience. Learned so much. When I, when that was, um, well, it actually has, still hasn't come to an end. We're, we're currently trying to sell the TV, the full half-hour pilot of that show. But when I felt like, oh, okay, it was time to create something new, just produce a new project, um, my husband Jeff and I were like, I was so creatively inspired by my 97-year-old great aunt. We're like, well, why don't you play both roles? I was like, great idea. So we start this idea. Oh, yeah, we'll make another web series, put it on YouTube. Then we thought, nobody saw Pleasant Events. And, like, that was, like, such a travesty in our eyes. So we said, okay, where are where are we hanging out these days? We're spending way too much time on Instagram. Are so is everybody. Yeah. So we're like, why don't we meet people where they're already hanging out? Because we have, like, the sense of people who are our age are, like, if you want narrative content, you're not going to YouTube. You're going to Netflix, to Hulu, because why would you go to YouTube for that? If you want to figure out how to, like, some software trick that you can't figure out, you'll go to YouTube, right? right? If you have a question you want answered, like, uh, 
then you'll go to YouTube, but less for narrative content. So we actually shot a little test episode. It was like three minutes long. We said, could we do this in one minute? And that's when the name, like Instagrammy, we thought like perfect. And wouldn't it be an interesting writing challenge to tell a complete story with a beginning, middle and end conflict in every, in one minute. And so, um, so it like took a couple months for us to sort of figure it out. Um, but yeah, ever since October, we have come October 2nd, we have released an episode every single Tuesday, including Christmas and New Year's. Um, and every week. You're doing better than us. And we we took those holidays off. (laughs) We were planning on it. And then we were in Montreal and my sister is about the same size as me. So it seemed like the perfect occasion to, uh, rope in a free body double. Oh, that's (laughs) great. So yeah. (laughs) Good blocking. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's the story with Instagrammy. Is it's just kind of like this exploration of this quirky character that I will never get to play because I'm not 85 years old. Um, but there's something very yes. freeing about that. Yes, <laughs> there's something very freeing about being able to play something that traditional Hollywood would never cast you in. Sure. Right, having full creative uh, control out over it, um, and just having something consistent like that is really is really empowering and it's cool because sometimes I forget that people are actually watching it. So I'll see friends who I haven't seen in a while and they're like, oh my God, the last Instagrammy. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're watching it? This is exactly <laughs> how we are with this podcast. Yes. People find us on the street and they're like, you guys sound just like you do on the thing. Like, you listen to us? Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's so exciting. Because that's, I think, <laughs> to bring it like full circle to what we were saying earlier of like, we're just doing it because we love it. Right, and the rest of it is just gravy, and so that's good. Yeah, um, so check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Wait, and where do we find it? Oh, so yeah, Instagram.com, and then um, slash uh, Red Harrington. So H E one R, because that's my last name. R E D H E R I N G T O N. Red Harrington. Yeah, uh, we'll put links in the show notes too. So earlier you were talking about lead times being a year, um, but. For those of us, um, not me, because I definitely know what that means. <laughs> so I know all about, Dude, I know the lead lying. times. You're lying. I just called you bro. I never called this you bro. Is, no, you call me my man. My man. My man. Um, <laughs> okay, so you said lead times take a year for the animation. Right, at least. What? So that's, you talk in those terms, but I, I don't brain good. Uh-huh. <laughs> what does that mean? So, yeah, so like you said, you just right. recorded an episode so you, this, this week. Right. So that is, um, and keep in mind, this is like, I'm just thinking lead times for myself. So I'm thinking the time between I record to when it's on Disney Channel or it's on Cartoon Network or it's on Nickelodeon is going to be at at least a year. You're kidding me. Yeah. So, but but even think the lead times are even longer for people who are like, who are doing the the storyboards for the show, who are writing the show, you know, like they have to conceive of these episodes before I'm even in the booth. So it's just the the production pipeline is truly huge. <laughs> and is it what? Why is it so backed up? Or do you know? I mean, it's not that it's backed up. It's just that animation takes a lot of time, even if it's computer generated. Um, in the case of Big City Greens, oh, this is something people might not know. Uh-oh. It's entirely hand drawn. No Old idea. School. Wow. Yes. So literally, there are all the storyboards and the animatic is done here in um, Burbank, California. But um, then all of that is sent to Korea, and there are an army of what I've heard are, like, 
older Korean men who just, they, they draw this stuff like frame by frame. And in fact, I have on my wall at home a couple contact sheets from the um, Halloween special that um, one of the background painters um, on the show, Cassandra, who's very talented, she, she uh, grabbed those sheets <laughs> um, so that I could, I could have a couple of them. But like hand-drawn, Please old hold on to those school. forever. That's why I framed them. They're on my wall. They're so cool. This is awesome. So uh, is there anything that, are there ever world events that happen or change or take place that make something you said irrelevant and you have to come back in and like and retract. Oh yeah. He's not our president anymore. We can't, or I don't know what would happen. I don't, I think especially that's probably, that's probably more um, of an issue. I would, I would think like in adult animation, when you've got like the Bojack Horseman, the Bob, like maybe, um, or the Simpsons even where it's like adults want things to be, things to be more sort of like, Things are funny when they're topical, right? Sure. It's like, oh, that's happening right now. Um, but no, um, when it comes to kids' shows, I think they just kind of, it's generally funny. But even, I mean, you'll hear in live action, like Handmaid's Tale, right, which is really striking a chord with people now. They're like, well, how did you, it came out, like, around the, the time that we got a new president in this country. People are like, oh, my God, that's, like, so relevant. They're like, yeah, but we've been working on it and plotting this for years. True. You just know? coincidence. So it just, yeah. it all, I, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's more well, than coincidence. That. It's just, like, the way that the world is moving, right? Okay. So, um, but, yeah, huge lead times. It's a year. <laughs> that, I mean, that would mean potentially that you've already done a Christmas episode for this year, or maybe I could not say that's one crazy. way or the other. I could tell you, <laughs> okay. but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, that's a shame. We have dinner plans. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe we should say our address just in case. Can I upload this now? Yeah, yes. Mary, thank you so much for thank being you on the so podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you more. No, not thank, thank you. you. I thank you more. I thank you the most Robert. for being so Canadian Super. right now, you guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that's two in a row we've referenced thank Canadian stories. Sorry, that's right. It's true. Oh my gosh. This oh, well, this one's from L.A., so we had to cover the whole continent with Canadian stories. So mm-hmm. I think we did it. Good mm-hmm. job. No, for real, though, thank you, thank you so much for taking some time on your busy schedule. Thank you. Thank you, and good luck at the awards. Oh, yes. thank you. And by the time this airs, we did or we did not win. So thank you very much, or sorry, we didn't win. <laughs> um, and there you have it. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to Mary Ev. Man, what a day. What a weekend. Again, shout out to Bobby Cast for winning the iHeartRadio Music Podcast of the Year Award. And thank you all so much who voted. What you may not realize is that your votes made such an impact on not only iHeartMedia, but other people surrounding uh, the podcasting community. And as a result, there are some huge things coming down the pipeline for Turned Up Podcast. As always, we want to thank our generous patrons for supporting our podcast, sending us to L.A., and keeping uh, incredible content like this coming to you, allowing us to do what we do. That's Justin Carpenter, M.D. Biacco, Katie Mouse 713, Michael J. 83, Davin C. Casey, Laura Ann Elise 7, uh, Samantha Seeger, Natalie B., Jen Walter 1, and Josiah 820. Listen, if you want to become a patron and support Turned Up Podcast, go to turnedupodcast.com 
Click the link in the top right corner to become a patron. Uh, you can give as little as five or ten dollars a month, all the way up to hundreds of dollars a month if you feel so inclined. Um, and there are incredible perks that come along with that, from getting your username shouted out on the air, all the way to getting to sit in on a recording session for an episode and even record your own intro to the show uh, and all kinds of things in between. Come back next week. We recorded some behind the scenes of the iHeart Podcast Awards uh, and let you in on a few things there. Met some wonderful people. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. That's at Turned Up Podcast or Facebook.com slash Turned Up Podcast. Uh, we want to be friends. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to get your suggestions. Uh, you would be surprised to know how many of your ideas become episodes. So it really is that easy because we want to record episodes that you want to hear. Uh, just it, it, all of our, our handles are Turned Up Podcast. Go on there. Uh, check it out. Also, you can see pictures, videos, photos from our trip this last weekend in Hollywood, as well as anything pertaining to the episodes. And we look forward to sitting down with you again next week. We love you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much to Real Sound Media uh, for giving us this platform. And until next week, this is Nashville signing out. Peace. Peace.